Breaking the Borderline Stigma. I'm Kristen Nicole. I'm a life coach for highly sensitive women and women with borderline personality disorder, helping you to create a protective emotional skin to learn to love all of you and to let your gorgeous light shine despite the darkness. And by the way, I'm also a highly sensitive person and a BPD conqueror myself. Well, hello there, my beautiful, deeply feeling friend. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be here with you, as I always say. And this episode is coming out a little bit later than I had planned for the month, but I wanted to be able to announce the opening or the launch of the community, the Breaking the Borderline Insensitivity Stigma community and exclusive podcast episodes. So I wanted to get that all put together and ready to go before I launched this episode. So I'm happy to say that I have gotten everything set up on the platform and it has been approved. It is going to be hosted on another platform called Patreon, just with the way the kind of the mechanics behind everything works, the technology behind everything works. That was the easiest way to go about it. So if you want to join, I really invite and welcome everybody who wants to be a part of the community to join. The link to do that is in the show notes. So I would invite you to just pause this right now, go to the show notes, click on the paid community link, and that will open up for you. And there are a few tiers that I put together, a few different options. The first option, which is the lower price, the lowest price point is just $5 a month. And that gives you access to the community so that you can go in and meet people and um, be able to have conversations and really connect with one another. And of course, I will be in there as well. And it will give you access to an additional podcast episode a month. It will be exclusive to that community. And then there is a second tier where you can have access to any related resources that I have as it pertains to the episodes. Or even if I see things in the community chat for individuals who want those additional resources, like worksheets and guides and things of that nature to really help you take things to the next level. And I think this is going to be really beneficial for those who kind of want to work through things um, and build some of those um, really positive, healthy practices and kind of getting um, the emotional side of things um, taken care of and and working to kind of build that and, and a little bit of that healthier mindset and lifestyle. And then there are two other options where one, you can join a group call with me that I'll be hosting every month. And it is limited to, I think, the first five or 10 people who select that. And then there is a premium tier for individuals who would like to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And that is monthly. So you would get 
to hop on both the group calls, the group coaching calls, and the private one-on-one calls. And then you would also get access to all of the resources and the exclusive content and the community. So it's really um, access to everything. So I tried to to provide some variety there to meet everyone's needs, but certainly I'm open to feedback. And if there's something that you would like to see and I haven't provided it, then that's something that being in that community is going to be really beneficial for as well, because you'll have an open and direct dialogue with me too. I will ask that this is a new platform. And so I'm still getting used to it. Um, once I see people kind of starting to join, I will release the first uh, exclusive podcast episode. So it's not in there yet. If you do go and join right now, you're not missing anything. It's just an opportunity for you to go in and um, get familiar with the site, jump into the the Discord community. is That's the community membership. Say hello. I will jump in there and say hello as well. And then I will release the exclusive content for the month. So I'm really excited about that. Like I said, pause this right now, go down to the show notes, click on that community, the podcast community link, and it'll take you to the Patreon site where you can select which option works best for you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all in there. So now on to the episode for this month. Um, A while back, right before I went on hiatus, before my health really took a downturn, I had done a um, collaboration with a woman who hosts a podcast called Consent to Treat, and her name is Rachel. So Rachel and I had collaborated together and put together an episode for you, and her editor had provided me with the nice, shiny, edited version of the episode. So I figured, you know, I'm, I don't do a lot of editing with these podcasts. Um, so this is probably going to be a little bit more kind of premium quality than what you're used to. But what I wanted to do was um, release that episode to you. And so that's what this episode is going to be is that dialogue between her and I and the and the just the the collaboration and and kind of the you know it was like a back and forth interview where we kind of interviewed and discussed with each other it was more of a discussion I would say. So I just want to say that this episode was edited by Ellie, the editor and producer of Cons- Consent to Treat podcast. If you enjoy her work, you can find her at www ellietheeditor.com and Ellie is spelled E-L-L-I-E. So it's ellietheeditor.com. And what you'll hear next is Rachel's introduction. And then you will get to listen to the, um, the full discussion. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you in the podcast community. My name is Rachel Sievers. I am a retired marriage and family therapist. I retired my license about a year and a half ago. And I think kind of similar to you, I wanted to be able to do the stuff that happens after therapy, you know? So when you've, when you've done all the therapy and you've done all the talking, then what? Then what? Let's put it into action. I want to be able to meet people in their homes or meet people at the gym or, you know, do things sort of outside the scope of therapy. I'm almost done with my somatic experiencing training, which is a trauma healing training. That's body work. And I have a private practice here in Visalia, California, where I do one-on-one work 
counseling work. I work with individuals and couples. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me at arrivecoachandcounsel.com or you can find me on Facebook, rachel.m.sievers. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at rachelsieversms. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Just kind of explain like who you are, what you do, what are you passionate about and like why you're here today. My name is Kristen Cole, and I am a women-centered coach, but I focus really on helping women who have maybe been diagnosed with BPD or they think they may have BPD, but they're functioning. They have either been through therapy and they have wrapped up their DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, and they're kind of looking to go to the next level. So really helping them to maximize their potential and live a life that they most desire. So tell us a little bit about what you are doing with your podcast. Yeah. So I started my podcast in August of 2021. And I started it because I had found that I myself am someone who had been diagnosed with BPD. It's not something that I ever felt I would go public with, but I was doing a lot of coaching training and certifications and also working with my coach and mentor, starting with a training through the Institute for Trauma and Psychological Safety. And through all of that, it kind of led me to Google borderline personality disorder. Mm. And I just saw I'm like, it's just kind of a shit show of blaming the victim type stuff. It's all about how people have been, quote unquote, damaged by an individual who has BPD traits or has been diagnosed with BPD. And so I was like, I got a very much of a blaming the victim mentality. And I'm like, okay, this is some bullshit right here because these individuals are beautiful people who are deeply feeling, who have this deep sense of, or at least a deep capacity for empathy And their entire lives, they've been told that they're wrong for their emotions. So now I work with individuals who are at a a baseline in terms of, you know, they're functioning and, and maybe they've gone through DBT. Maybe they haven't, but they're at least they are maintaining a life, right? Like they're not this is I don't work with people who are in that mental illness state necessarily. Mm -hmm. They're at least functioning. So I help them go from if you look at like the positive psychology model where say a negative five is extreme mental illness, a zero is neutral and a positive five is mental well-being. I help them go from that zero to that positive five. Oh, I love this. So typically, and I'm sure it's different with every woman, but typically what does that look like? What do you do to take it to the next level? Part of it is working through some DBT skills if they haven't done them before, because I've gone through that myself and like I have the teacher training manual and all that kind of stuff and being able to help. And then if they have gone through it before, I help them to keep that skill set up. But then we also work through things like emotional intelligence, connecting back to their bodies and their intuition, Mm -hmm. helping them to stay out of that fight or flight response. It takes these foundational pieces of like working through traumas and things like that without actually calling it that, without digging into the story, Mm -hmm. but it helps work through some of those limiting beliefs, some of those things that cause all of us to get Mm -hmm. stuck without making it so obvious. I think a lot of women, even in general, are more deeply feeling, and we've often had that shut down in us through society because 
We're not taught to prioritize our emotions. We are told to shove them down and dismiss them and forget them. And this leads to all sorts of issues, not just mental health related issues, but also physical issues. And I think now it's just coming to light how this is all related and interconnected, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I love that it is. And I, I wish it hadn't taken like a pandemic to do that, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's now coming to light. So (laughs) yeah. But I have been through it. I've lived through it myself. I would have more of what would be called a quiet BPD. And when I started looking all that stuff up and seeing how demonized this is, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, that's when I decided to start my own podcast because I'm like, this is just like, frankly, this is bullshit. We need other resources to be able to go to, to actually get the support that we need. I love it. Your verbiage. People who have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder or who think they might have traits. (laughs) You're not even saying people who have borderline personality disorder. And I think in those little differences there, right, you're really sending a strong message. It's not about, bam, you've got this label and this is who you are forever and ever. We Mm. might have traits and let's work with them. Let's do what we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think people who have been diagnosed with or feel like they may have the traits of it or symptoms of it have this really deep capacity for empathy and for actually helping the world to acknowledge and express their emotions in a healthy way. But we haven't been taught that ourselves. So we have to learn it first. And it took me a long time to get here too, just to have that mindset of everybody is doing the best that they can with what they have. Once we learn how to harness and cultivate that, it becomes a very powerful thing, but it's just learning how to do that. It's very needed in the world. Oh, yeah. Especially now. (laughs) Absolutely. When I work with my clients with borderline traits, I try to tell them, like, this really is your superpower. It really is. Like, you're really special in this way. And you've got to understand most of the population can't feel what you can feel. You're picking up on this slight emotion that they're having. They're not even aware that they're having it yet. And you know that they're having it. Yeah, it's like magic and harnessing that magic. It's such hard work, though. Such hard work. Well, and I'd love to know from you, too, like what your experience has been in working with individuals who may have been diagnosed with or have the traits of BPD or are deeply feeling. Maybe I've spoken to several therapists over the past couple of years about BPD. And there's some where it's like they won't even give them that diagnosis because of the stigma that comes along with it, which I understand. So I'm just curious as to like what your experience has been as well. Let's be really honest. You know, when I was in school getting my master's degree and, you know, doing my residency, I learned very quickly that there's a stigma around it. And I heard more often than not therapists saying, oh, I won't work with someone with borderline personality disorder. No way. No way. Not, I'm not going there. But I have some sort of natural empathy and non judgment around people with this type of personality where it's never scared me off. It's never felt personal to me. It's, it's like I, I take them in and I feel sort of like I want to care for you. Like everyone's so harsh with you. Let me be a soft place. So I did some extended trainings around this particular disorder just because I just felt really passionate about the population that I was working with. I just wanted to help them more. So what could I do? So Marshall in a hand trainings and things like that and DBT and, Mm -hmm. you know, just reading books. But I think more than anything, it's just being there and seeing a person for who they really are and letting them just be, (laughs) just letting them be for once. (laughs) In my practice, I just, I really enjoy 
working with the population with this type of personality, whether it be actual diagnosis of it or just this type of personality type, the, you know, very sensitive. And I love helping people with emotional regulation and uh, emotional intelligence, like you were saying. I just, I just love that work. I love that work. See, that just warms my heart too, because I, I have even as part of like my podcast, I had been reaching out to some therapists and my therapist friend warned me. She said, look, there's quite a stigma that mm-hmm. exists in the mental health community. And I'm like, OK, and why did you get into therapy if you're not <laughs> wanting to help the individuals who really need it? But also, OK, I hear you. And within a couple of days of reaching out to a couple of therapists, someone emailed me back and said, I won't work with people with BPD. And I'm like, OK. But the, the interesting thing is, is that, I mean, first of all, it's not doing us any favor, the term borderline personality disorder. Like that just makes it sound like we're about to go postal at any second, True. <laughs> as opposed to emotional regulation True. disorder. One of the things that I've done, I listen to Brene Brown a lot. And right now I am reading. I thought it was just me, but it isn't. It's made me realize like how pervasive using shame is in our culture. And so when you put that up against someone who has deep emotions, they are deeply feeling, creating this invalidating experience for them from the very beginning. And it teaches them that who they are at their core is not okay. Yeah. I have a question for you. I have a client who I never found it important to tell him that I saw these traits in him. It didn't seem like we didn't need to label it, but he found the label himself and started digging and digging and digging. And now he's doing such a great job working with it and figuring it out. But he's encountering this really interesting problem. He doesn't know where his disorder ends and he begins. So -hmm. when he's having an intense experience, he's questioning, okay, is this real? Is it valid? Or am I just being really, really intense right now? Does this deserve time in the light? Or do I just need to go take care of it because this is just my shit, my disorder right now? And I'm wondering if you've worked with people through that, if you've worked through that yourself, and if you have any tips for how do you know when, gosh, I and I don't like these words very much, like, it's this unreasonable reaction to something or if it's really fucking valid. And yeah, I deserve to talk mm-hmm. talk to you about this because you're my feelings or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. For me, the way that I approach it now is that your feelings are always valid. They may not match the situation, but it's coming from somewhere. Okay. So first giving permission to, okay, I'm having this feeling of really intense anger, feeling where it is in my body having my clients feel where it is in their body and just sitting then with that physicality of it, if they're comfortable to do so, because recognizing not everybody is able to do body work, it's very triggering for them just to even feel their body. Then I'll go back and look at, okay, what triggered this? And if it was something seemingly where it's like, I don't feel like I should have gotten that angry about it. Okay. Well, what else could this mean? Where else could this have stemmed from? But I think first and foremost is like giving yourself the space and the grace to just actually feel you're the emotion. You're it out. You're, you're pulling that mm-hmm. whole moment out so you can really get into every little bit of it. Your body, yeah. asking yourself questions, like giving yourself more time in it instead mm-hmm. of handling it in the moment. It's that pause. Yeah. It's that pause in between what happened, mm-hmm. right? And how we respond. Mm-hmm. 
which I guess it is kind of the definition of emotional regulation in a way, but you know, the pause right. between. I mean, but. if you think about it, we all act like assholes when we're dysregulated. We just do. That is mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. You cannot think rationally and you say things you are going to regret later. You get mean. You're usually in a protective stance, right? So yeah, like pulling that moment out so you can come down out of that dysregulation mm-hmm. <laughs> and think more clearly from a calmer state. Exactly. Of course, that makes sense. I think it's important to give the the emotion the space because whether or not it matches the situation, you're still having that feeling. And so telling yourself that I shouldn't be feeling this way is a way of shaming and invalidating For yourself. Sure. So it just further perpetuates the cycle and the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I'm wondering too, why is there such a stigma that exists around BPD? Do you think? Kind of going back to what I just said, like when we're dysregulated, we're assholes. Mm-hmm. We are. And the people around you have a hard time tolerating that or responding to that in a way that feels okay. Mm-hmm. At the risk of sounding blamey, but I believe it's the truth. I believe that the people in their lives get exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they're dysregulated. <laughs> and then they are on the attack and they're not responding in a nice way. You know, and I believe that that's where it comes from. For sure. It's interesting because I feel like it really all stems from emotional intelligence. As a society, if that's something we prioritized EQ over IQ, a lot of these mental health disorders conditions (laughs) would very minimize. I'm not going to say they would subside, but why isn't this being taught in elementary school? Exactly. Because it goes back to the whole we're emotion phobic. Like, let's just be honest as a society. Ooh, we don't like oh, emotions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> let's not let's not bring mm-hmm. them to light. You're making me feel weird or I don't know how to handle that because you're angry or That's you're it. sad. And I don't crying. know how to respond to this. So stop. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you are wrong mm-hmm. for your emotions. Yes. And if you flip it around and say, well, actually, we're all responsible for our own emotions in terms of managing them. And recognizing, okay, I feel really awkward right now. And also, how can I support you? How can I best support you right now in Mm, this moment? I love that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) I'm going to put that in my back pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think about where a lot of mine stemmed from. I remember telling my mom when I was like 15 years old, driving to my grandma's house saying, you know, I just... I don't know, mom, I just feel really depressed. And it was immediately, oh my gosh, Kristen, your life is so horrible. Like you just have just the, you know, so it was just the shutdown of it. Now recognizing that I'm sure that triggered something in her now as an adult, I can recognize that triggered something of her. She didn't know how to deal with it or process it. So it's immediately like, there's something wrong with you. You, you know, you have, your life is just fine. You shouldn't be feeling depressed, you know, as opposed to, wow, you must really be having a hard time right now. So much of our relationship issues in any relationship, parenting, friendships, employee, employer, Mm -hmm. uh, love relationships comes down to my inability to allow you to just fucking be. And when I'm not okay with you just being, I try manipulating you into being something I'm more comfy with. We do it to our kids. Most people do this, right? But if we do what you're saying, completely take ownership for our own state. And I'm not blaming you for how I feel. And if I do feel something in response to you, it's my job to do something with it. And it has nothing to do with changing you. Can you imagine how healthy (laughs) we would all be? 
<laughs> I know. It would be such a beautiful society. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think about like, there's a reason why all of a sudden someone explodes on the street because they don't know how to process. And it's like something you just did triggered them. And we're not taught how to actually process when it's like, here's a triggering moment. Right. Because regardless of whether or not we're deeply feeling, we all have triggering moments. We all have painful past experiences. Yep. Some are more severe than others, and that also doesn't invalidate the ones that are less severe because to that individual, it was still something that was a painful past experience or a traumatic event. So it's still important. Mm -hmm. And so just recognizing, like, instead of, you know, shutting people down, well, let me tell you what just happened to me Mm -hmm. sort of thing, as opposed to, oh, that sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. Or I have been there. I felt that before. What what can I do to Mm -hmm. support you? The way we're essentially taught to, quote unquote, empathize is, well, let me tell you what happened to me (laughs) as a way of like trying to show somebody, yeah, I've been there before, Uh but I'm going to make it all about me now. (laughs) See, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. I made it just fine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. To me, it's just like, we just need to show more compassion and empathy and understanding. Right. Right. Um, Which I know is easier. But from the start, from the start. When we're this big, <laughs> exactly to start. Unfortunately, that's yeah. not how our culture is built. That is, but yeah. we're getting there. <laughs> we're going to fight the good fight, right? <laughs> yeah. One, yeah. One client exactly. at a time. <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before? So one question I did want to yeah. ask you, what would you say to someone who has a loved one of a BPD individual in terms of like, what sort of advice would you give them? Okay. So, I mean, it it totally depends because we can't lump everybody with this diagnosis into one pile. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Who are they? You know, what exactly are their triggers? What's important to them? What works for them? What doesn't? A very typical conversation that I have with partners is this person is extraordinarily special. And they're always like, yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about the long list of things that makes this person so wonderful, right? Because usually people with this personality type, the parts that are difficult to be in a relationship with, there's an equal amount of stuff that's like, it's just wonderful, you know, like storybook, like Hallmark Mm -hmm. movie status, right? So keeping a person really centered on these are the reasons why we're putting in the work today because you get this and you get this and you get this. You have someone who's totally tuned in, someone who's 100% in this with you, someone who cares about everything that's going on with you. The list is just so long. And I've even encouraged people to get an expo marker and, and like write it on your mirrors, like the long list of things that I absolutely adore about my partner. Keep yourself centered on that because mm-hmm. in the hard times and there will be hard times and when they're hard, they are intense. They're big, right? They can be like big blowouts. <laughs> like I, I'm searching for my wife on the side of the road because she packed her suitcase and she just started walking and I can't find her. Like it's big. It's big mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's not like, oh, she just went to sleep on the couch. It's, it's, it can get big. In those moments, you have to be really centered on why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. For a lot of people, it's absolutely worth it. Really working on internal 
boundaries, being super clear about what you know about yourself, what you know about your love for your partner, staying really good and solid in that and not taking things personally when when shit gets intense. Mm-hmm. You have that. to be able to stand solid and have an attitude of, I'm here for you, babe. The things that you're saying don't align with what I know about myself. And I understand that that's how you're seeing me right now. And that's okay. But I know myself and I know I'm here for you. I know I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I think partners need to have a lot of really good, I mean, we all do, right? But really good nourishing self-care stuff happening, you know, mm-hmm. so that you can really have that feeling of, I know myself, I'm good with myself. I'm really clear in here about what I think and how I feel. And I can be a rock when you're having a rough moment. I'm, I want to be that rock for you. Mm-hmm. And not everybody can do it. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. You have to be super healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if you can't do it too. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. I do, I do want to ask you too, mm-hmm. given your background in therapy mm-hmm. and knowing the, the stigmas that are often mm-hmm. kind of perpetuated in terms of working with individuals with BPD, if someone wanted to find a therapist, what would you recommend that they look someone for? Someone with this personality type? Yes. I believe that it's important that someone has at least some specialized training. DBT, I mean, we know is is really effective across the board. Mm-hmm. I believe that someone with training in trauma is going to be helpful because whatever disorder, whatever it is that we have, if we want to call it disorder or trauma or whatever, it all comes from some kind of trauma, right? That's where it all comes from. So someone who understands trauma and how it affects the nervous system and how it affects the brain and the body and you know everything that's happening. Most important, keep looking for someone that you feel good with. You have to feel good with your counselor or your therapist. My recommendation is not so much like look for their credentials and their titles and all that. It's more go to them, feel them out. If they don't feel good, go to the next one, feel that one out. If that doesn't feel good, go to the next one. Like, don't stop until you click with someone. Yeah, they should have an understanding of your issues. They should be studied in your issues. Yes, but that's not where it ends. Someone could have four degrees and be so smart. And if you don't click with them, you're going to get jack. It's not going to work. I love that advice. (laughs) I love that advice because I think about how many people and myself included, where it was like, you try therapy once or with one individual and you think, oh, this just doesn't work. This isn't going to work for me. As opposed to, no, you get to try out different people and that's okay. And you're allowed to do that until you find the right person for you. Like dating, (laughs) you know, just because you have one bad experience doesn't mean all of a sudden you're like, I'm never dating again. Forget it. I could talk about this stuff forever. So for people who love your vibe or are interested in connecting with you or maybe working with you, how would they get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me through my podcast, which is Breaking the Borderline and Sensitivity Stigma. They can also get in touch with me through Facebook, which is Kristen Nicole Page is like the URL. So if you do facebook.com slash Kristen Nicole Page or on Instagram, at Kristen Nicole online. Okay, thank you so much, Kristen. I've appreciated this time 
And this is a weird word to use, but it's been a very stimulating hour for me. It's gotten me very excited and I, I love having that button pushed. I could I could talk about this stuff forever and I appreciate you doing that for me. Thank you. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like one-to-one support, sign up for a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.